0: Happy Easter, I'm really glad you're here to celebrate with us. My grandson, I understand every day this week woke up and said, "Is it Easter day? Is it Easter day?" I guess he he has his reasons for being excited. <laughs> he's not clued in completely. he's only three and a half, so he he's not clued in completely as to the significance of Easter in uh the Christianity and so he'll, Lord willing, figure that out as he goes along. But, hey, this is the most important day uh, that we celebrate for our faith, for the Christian faith, because if it didn't happen, we're wasting our time. And so we're we're going to look in. We're going to actually answer. What we're going to do is we're going to turn it around. <clears throat> in that interview, that man on the street interview, the folks were asked who they think Jesus is. We're going to flip that around and ask Jesus, who he said he was this morning. So we're, we're going to get into hearing from the source. What kind of questions would you ask Jesus if you could sit down with him over coffee, maybe at a local coffee store shop, and ask him some questions? What, what kind of questions would you have? There are a handful of important questions that rattle around inside of us that we need answers to, If we're going to seriously follow Jesus Christ, if we're going to base our life on his uh, life and teaching and count on his resurrection, these questions tend to create barriers to completely trusting Christ with our lives. For both um, those who are following and trying to figure it out and those who are investigating Christ, these are the questions that create some barriers uh, we're launching a new series today called Questions for Jesus, uh, We Ask and He Answers. So we're going to do this throughout the next three, four weeks. We're going to ask these important questions that sort of hang us up in terms of our following Christ. And then see what he said and then talk about why, why it makes sense uh, to buy into the answers that he gave. And that we should do. When when I was in graduate school uh, studying for the ministry, I got to this point where I had questions that sort of were r- rolling around in my mind. And they were haunting me to the point where I realized I have to get answers to these questions. Or I just shouldn't go into the ministry. I mean, if I don't have answers to these bottom line questions, why would I try to share... Jesus with anybody else and so I I went on a search and I I began to seek out the answers for myself and I'm here (laughs) speaking to you about these questions and answers so I got I got I found answers I found the answers I really needed and in that search I gained a tremendous amount of confidence in who Jesus is uh, what it means to follow him and how we can really trust what he said. So I want to share some of that with you. Because as we investigate what it means to follow Christ, questions arise. They, they come up. They're there. And we really need answers uh, to this. I, I was going to switch tracks. I was going to switch career tracks if I didn't get the answers that I needed. Believing in Christ is a choice that every one of us has to make individually. We have to decide for ourselves. And if you're interested, what I want to do in this series is help you find the answers that are there. Here's an overview of the questions that we're going to ask. This week, we're looking at what makes Jesus unique. Uh, Was he just a good moral teacher or was he more than that? A lot of people draw the conclusion that the guy in the interview did, you know, he had a great message. He had a really good message. we we're, we're going to look at that. Next week, why is Christianity so exclusive? seems so narrow-minded and arrogant to believe in Christianity. What? Why, why is that? And I think we have some things to look at and talk through that will really help us um, gain an appreciation for why Jesus said what he did and why Christians believe the way they do on that. Uh, then the next week, why take the Bible seriously? I mean, it, it is, there's a very close link to following Christ and doing what the Bible says. Very close. Why why should we take it seriously? We're going to look at some of that. Then the last week, why does God allow suffering and evil? These are the questions that really hang people up in relation to God and relation to following Christ. And so we're, we're going to dig into these. since Since the first century when Jesus lived... People have been wrestling with his identity. they've been trying to figure out who was this man who who was he? What was he all about And there is no question that Jesus is and was an unparalleled teacher. He was unparalleled, and he took morality to to the highest possible level. Some would say a whole nother level he He took it to the highest level possible. His impact on history is unmatched. Uh, Most of the world divides time by before his life and after his life and death and then resurrection. Um, He's made a tremendous impact on history. His followers are in the millions and millions. Actually, 2.2 billion Christians in this world today. That's a third, just about a third of the earth's population follows Jesus Christ or claims to follow him at some level. So there's a tremendous amount of impact that this one life in the first century has made. People refuse to quit following him under all kinds of persecution they have for centuries, continued to follow under the heaviest persecution and threat. One of the most popular conclusions about Jesus' identity is that he was a great moral teacher among many great moral teachers. I'd like to take some time this morning to look at what it is that makes Jesus unique. We have the opportunity with him to gauge whether that fits him, whether that's who he was, a great moral teacher among other Great moral teachers. We have the opportunity because we we can actually read what he said about himself. There are some uh, biographies that were written after his life and death and resurrection that we can go to. There are direct quotes. So that that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to ask the question first of all: Who did Jesus say he was? What what did he say about himself? Like I said, if you could sit down over coffee, what he, what he would say with you now can be traced back to what he said when he was alive. And so we're going to dig in to what he said. Here's what he said about himself. Here's a direct quote. My father is working until now, and I am working. This is in the context of Jesus healing a man. Uh, he healed a lame man, and It was in response to some criticism from Jewish leaders over healing the man on the Sabbath. So, come on. (laughs) You know, isn't that how religion tends to be? We make a big deal out of nothing. We make, we tend to, in, in religion, religions, what we tend to do is overemphasize the things that don't really matter. And in all the hubbub, we miss the core of what really does matter. And so these men, Jesus healed a lame man, had been lame from birth, and these guys are upset about it. <laughs> and so, so Jesus responds. One of the things he said was, my father is working until now, and I am working. Now, this enraged the Jewish religious leaders. It lit them up. They got lit, and after this, they began to seek to kill him, to take him out. Why is that? First, he called God his father, which communicated a special relationship. These Jewish religious leaders, they didn't even say the name of God. They had uh, initials, Y-H-W-H. They didn't even say the name. They weren't going to repeat it. And so they were enraged that he was, had this sort of close familial kind of relationship with God, and that he was saying this. Second, he equated his work with God's work. My father is working, and I am working. Same thing. God does good on the Sabbath, so I can do good on the Sabbath. Hey, God made the rules for a specific reason. (laughs) And it wasn't so that he would keep me from healing this man who had been lame from the day he was born. So Jesus made this statement. My father's working until now I'm working. It lit the leaders up. And then he made another statement another time. A little, little clearer. I and the father are one. Another statement. It's in the context of his teaching about eternal life. He explained that he could give his followers eternal life because he and his father, God, are one. This is why he had the power to do this. Now, these statements create a real problem for putting Jesus in the category of great moral teacher, don't they? <laughs> because we can't take a guy like a man who's, who's a teacher who's had all this impact on history and the lives of people and say, you know what, I'm going to take out the teaching on morality When it's in the context of all these comments and teaching about his identity. So if you're saying that he is a great moral teacher, you have to consider what he said about himself in that context and decide whether or not he was telling the truth or if he was deluded or crazy or whatever it is. You have to make a decision. You can't take that out. He clearly claimed to be God. If he was just a great moral teacher, he would have stayed away from that. That's that's not what he claimed. The next thing he said, uh, the quote we're going to look at is from Mark, two. He said to the paralytic, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now, what what was happening in this context? uh, There's an extra handout with a little more detail on all of these stories that you can read. We put that together just so you could take it with you and check it out for yourself. But um, this was said in the context of a man who had been paralyzed from birth uh, was carried in on a stretcher to a house where Jesus was. He was carried in by his friends on this stretcher to this house. And they brought him there to be healed by Jesus because he'd been healing people. Stuff had been going on. It was kind of amazing. Um, And so they they brought him to be healed by Jesus. And he doesn't heal him. He says, your sins are forgiven. Well, this lit the leaders up as well. Because who can forgive sins but God alone? (laughs) Only God forgives sins. Come on. Jesus just said, your sins are forgiven. They bring him for healing. He forgives his sins. And Jesus goes on and explains why he said that. And then Jesus heals him. But the scribes, the religious leaders who were there, they didn't miss it. They didn't, uh, they didn't miss, understand what he was trying to communicate. Who is this? Who does he think he is that he claims to have the power to forgive sins? They, they were lit. They were upset. These statements take Jesus out of the great moral teacher category he clearly taught that he himself was God so we need to ask what are what are some other credentials that back up his claim to be God what else went on around him now if we were living during his day what would we do we'd we'd go talk to his closest friends hey (laughs) this guy says he's God what do you think you know you've been around him You've been hanging with him for a long time. And so let's look at that. What did his closest friends say about him? As Jesus and 12 of his closest friends, these guys spent three years walking uh, with him and uh, doing ministry, serving with him. They were walking into Caesarea Philippi, and he asked them what the general public was saying about his identity. So he asked them, and they offered up a variety of conclusions about who people were saying he was, famous religious figures from the past who'd come back and so such they They basically shared the content of the buzz about his life I mean there was a, He was doing things, and his teaching was so astonishing that there was this tremendous buzz i mean and it would, it would you know God is God, and he had Jesus. Uh, you know, he sent his son Jesus to be born in the first century. But would it be cool if he's born today? I mean, we'd, there'd be some viral videos, okay? I mean, it would be amazing. There, there would be some pretty cool videos of what he did, and they'd be buzz around. But it was the same. It was the same kind of buzz about Jesus in his day. And so he's asking, what are people saying about him? And then he turned to them, who do you say that I am? And this is where we find out what his closest friends thought about him. This is what Simon Peter said. He replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of John, Simon, son of John, Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now. Now. In my teaching today, if I claim to be God, you could easily dismiss that notion by asking my friends and family, you know, what is this guy? What what do you think about this guy? You know, can he walk on water? (laughs) No, he cannot. I guarantee you these men. These 12 men traveled and ministered with Jesus for three solid years. They saw him 24-7 for three solid years, and that's the conclusion they came to. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, let's step back and look at other credentials that back up Jesus' claim. Jesus obviously claim to be God but what credentials back up his claim to be God what's there now I went my son was really into baseball and when he was 12 in the little league that's like your big little league year you know it's supposed to be important um, <clears throat> and when he was in his 12 year old year in the little league he hurt his arm So I I wanted to take him, he was really into baseball, he he showed some promise, so I I wanted to take him to uh, an important orthopedic surgeon to get his opinion on what was going on with his arm. So we showed up at his office, and uh, the the name, his name escapes me, but he's actually the angel's doctor. So we go uh, to this office, and on his wall are pictures of him with the angels, there's stories, there's articles, there's certificates that told me I'm in the right place if I want to know what the best guy is going to say about my son's elbow. Now, that's because the angels have millions and millions of dollars riding on his diagnosis and treatment of their sore arm. So that gives some validity to this man as an orthopedic doctor, huh? I mean, you're thinking, hey, I'm in the right place. These guys got million dollars riding on this. And that's the way it is today. There is a lot riding on our answer to the question about Jesus' identity. A lot. Ashley. If what he said is true, eternity hangs in the balance of this. Not millions of dollars, but eternity hangs in the balance of the answer to this question. And so it's important to investigate and verify the evidence for his claim. What, what kind of plaques and articles would be written about him? I mean, what would be on the wall if we went to Jesus' office? You know, what would be there? And thankfully, we can look. Here are some credentials that back up his claim to be God. Number one, his moral character. If you'd like, you could, you could check these out. Again, in the, in the handout, there are some passages listed in what I'm talking about. You can take that with you and look. But his moral, his moral character was testified by both his enemies and friends. It was clear. In, in John 8, Jesus challenged his enemies... With the question, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? You know what? Nobody nobody could. They went silent. He silenced them with that question. Two of his closest friends, Peter and John. Now, these guys, Peter and John, to understand their background, they had been trained in uh, their... in the scriptures from a very early age to believe that every human being on the face of the earth was sinful. Okay? Everybody was guilty of sin. That's their training. Both of these men testified to Jesus moral perfection. First first Peter two twenty two. He committed no sin. This is Peter was one of the three closest friends, and so was John. Of Jesus, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth he, he, he didn 't nothing he did or said was sinful first john three five you know that he appeared to take away sins. this is why he came, and in him, there is no sin. This is an important point because if you 're going to take away sins, you have to be sinless. you have to have the ability to do that, and that 's what Jesus did now again, if I were to claim Moral perfection, my wife sitting on the front row. Check with her. <laughs> that would be over quick, okay? My wife, my family, my closest friends, my coworkers. Wouldn't be hard to discover I'm lying. But these guys, these two guys, these are actually his credentials. Their testimony are his credentials that would be on the wall that would testify to who he is. Jesus was unique in this way. His best friends testified to his moral perfection and died for their belief. They ended up dying for their belief in his identity. Actually, John didn't die. They boiled him in oil and he lived, and they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. These guys died believing that he was sinless. that's, 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 That's a credential on the wall right there. Another piece of evidence toward his deity is his power over natural forces. Once he was traveling across the sea in a boat, when the weather became so violent that his disciples in the boat were shaking, they were afraid that they were going to die, and he spoke a word and the weather calmed. His disciples are, who, who, who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him he turned water into wine, he fed 5000 people with 5 loaves and 2 fish, and a bunch of other miracles. Now, okay. These guys were his best friends. This is what they wrote. But in addition to that, secular historians said the same thing. They 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 testify that this this man was a wonder worker. He he did amazing things the secular historians of the day. Jesus also showed his power over sickness, disease, and death. There are many accounts of Jesus' healing ministry in those biographies uh, that were written. But there is is one incident where he showed his power over death itself. And this is in in the death of his friend Lazarus. Uh, Jesus was a family friend of Lazarus, his sisters Mary and Martha, And when he heard that Lazarus had died and that everybody was so upset, it it touched him to the point where it's the shortest verse in the Bible is the response. Jesus wept. Jesus cried. He he cared about this man. He cared about the family. He was a close family friend. And what he did is he delayed. He sort of took his time getting to their house and to the situation. But he went to the tomb. He shows up at their house. the, the, The ladies are upset. And he says, Hey, don't, don't worry about this. I'm the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you, you, you won't die, but you'll, you'll live. And so he says this to them. Then he goes, Where is he? Where's Lazarus? He, he goes to the tomb in broad daylight and he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus gets up in broad daylight in, in the presence of Jesus' friends, his family friends, his closest friends, the 12 guys who hung out with him all the time, and in, in the presence of a bunch of skeptics and enemies, he calls out, Lazarus gets up, comes out of the tomb. He'd been dead four days. It's pretty amazing stuff. I mean, Jesus showed his power over sickness, disease, and death. Many believed at this point, and his enemies never denied this miracle. This is, this is testimony of Jesus' credential as well. His enemies never denied this stuff. <laughs> they never, But they sought to kill him because he was such a threat to their system that they could take advantage of. Final and dramatic credential is his, his prediction of his own death and resurrection. That's pretty amazing. Okay? Now, if I'm predicting my death and resurrection, hey, I'm going to die, but I'm going to be raised to life. You just hang around a little while after I'm gone and see if it's true. See what happens. Jesus predicted his own death and resurrection five times. Five different times. Now, here's the record of one of those predictions. And it immediately follows. This is what Jesus said immediately following uh, Peter's confession that he's the Christ, the son of the living God. This is what he said. After they said, hey, you're God, he strictly charged them and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribe, and be killed and on the third day be raised. The resurrection is an event in history that we can investigate. Just like you could hang around and see if I come back. We, we can look back into history and see whether or not Jesus did what he promised to do. It's an event in history that can be investigated. You can pursue it. You can check it out. If it occurred, then it's not just a life changer. You know, we talk about game changer. It's a game changer in business or whatever. It's not just a life changer. It's an eternity changer. This will change your destiny if Jesus is actually who he said he was. Now, many, many skeptics have investigated the resurrection, and as a result, they've decided to follow Christ. There, there are books written. And on the back of this handout, there's a list of some books of skeptics, atheists, agnostics, who have investigated the resurrection and the life of Christ. And in their investigation, they became convinced to the point where they trusted their life to Jesus Christ as Lord and as boss. There's not time to walk through these things right now, but if you want to investigate, check out those resources. They're there. Now, we're all at different places in our journey in life and in particularly in relationship to God, but we can all take steps forward to getting to know Jesus better if we'd like to. If you're a Christ father follower, we're talking about these things because our hope is that this gives you confidence. Because sometimes we're trying to walk with Jesus and these questions come up and we don't we just let them roll around in our mind and they, they sort of keep us from from moving forward. We stutter steps so to speak. So we, we want to look at these things in this series to strengthen your resolve if you're following, to, to build your confidence in your faith and help you feel more confident just to share about, about Christ with the friends around you. If you haven't yet committed your life to following Christ, you may be interested in learning more. We'll be talking about this. But there's some resources on the handout, like I mentioned, that you can look at. Um, there's a free resource that Brad mentioned, The Case for Easter, very helpful book, thought-provoking content, that that many have found helpful as they've explored Jesus. But I also want to encourage you to do one more thing. If you really want to know who Jesus is, then I'd like to invite you to pray this prayer. And it's on the screen. God, I don't know if you're real or not. But as I look into the Bible and learn more about Jesus, will you show me who you really are? You could, you could pray that prayer, and what you'll find is God is alive. We, we sang about it. But he really is alive. He is real. And he will, if you, if you honestly pray that prayer and continue to pursue knowing him, And finding out whether Jesus is who he said he was, he will show himself to you. He will. Jesus, another statement he made, it's not in your listening guide. If any man's will is to do his will, he will know whether my teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. So if if your will is, if you're really wanting to know, Jesus will show you. God will reveal him to you and he'll show you. You may be here this morning, you've never committed your life to Christ, but you believe. You're you're at the point where, you know, I haven't got it all figured out, but I'm ready to make a decision here. I'm ready to decide to follow Christ. You don't have to have it all figured out. You only need to say, God, I give you my life and I want to know you and follow you. Jesus Christ, I trust you with my entire life at Church of Valley, we want to help you with this. This is what we're all about. Uh, that's why we're here. So let us know. There, There's on the back of your connection card. If you take your connection card out of the program again, that'd be great. On the back, there's a couple ways that you can respond to the message. This is one of them. For the first time, I'm deciding to accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as Lord. In other words, you've had questions, but you've been pursuing, investigating Christ, and, and you're convinced to the point where I'm giving my life, I'm done. I'm done doing it my way. I've led my life uh, myself, and it's not going that great. I'm just going to, tr- I'm going to trust Jesus with my entire life, and I'm going to follow him from this day forward. If you're ready to do that, let us know. We'd love to help you. We get some materials to you that would help. Another step would be to investigate further by reading through the handout provided or reading one of the suggested books or other resources. So that, that may be a step that you want to take. And a, a final step would be to attend the rest of this series with a friend because we're going to be talking about these things. And in 30 minutes, you don't have a tremendous amount of time to answer every question and have a dialogue. But we're going to get to the, the core of these questions and the answers that you see in Scripture. Uh, Easter is celebration of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. We celebrate the fact that God has the power to change lives, and that's how you know it, his resurrection. This is good news. So we are glad you're here today, and we hope to see you next week. We'd love to have you back with us. Please take the time, if you would, to uh, finish completing... Any information or next steps on your connection card, then when the offering ushers come by, you can drop that in the offering. I'd like to leave you with a video that sort of wraps up what I've been talking about and reminds us of that basic core question about following Christ. Who who is Jesus? Let's watch this together.